Hi everybody, welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One. I'm Michelle Pratt, one of your co-hosts. My company is Dive Deeper Development and I'm a freelance business trainer and coach. And hello, I'm Katie Carlisle, one of your other co-hosts, or the other co-host, I should say. Um, I've been freelance for over five years, running my own Squarespace web design and training business. And I also run a community called Freelance Folk for freelancers who want to be alone together. Today, we're going to look at how the, or the freelance problem of how do you say no to clients? Or to anything. Anything, generally, yeah. Say, just say no. Just say no. But how? And why is it important? That's what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah, absolutely. So at every point in a freelancer's life, and as you say in life in general, we quite often have to say no to people in situations and maybe we feel a little bit guilty about it or maybe feel a bit awkward about saying no. So we're going to look at how can you overcome that and say no confidently and assertively while still keeping your relationship with other people intact. Um, so let's start off with why do we find it hard to say no? So Katie, do you ever find it hard to say no? Yes. <laughs> or should I say, no, I definitely no. should say yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's really interesting actually. So, I mean, this is something that you and I have been talking about. I've had a coaching session with Michelle on this very topic yeah. this month, So we, or last month. Um, we were recording this in February. So in January, it was one of the things that was really coming up for me. I was, had a very busy January and I was finding it really hard to say no. And I was recognizing the impact it was having on me. Um, so I had a coaching session with Michelle where we talked through a lot of the stuff that we're gonna be covering here. So we wanted to kind of capitalize on that so I could share my experience and also some of the stuff that, that we talked about I feel I found helpful. But what's also been really interesting is that I've seen a lot of people talking about this at the moment. So, um, you know, there's been a couple of blog posts and other people posting it on forums and things and saying, and Facebook groups saying like, I'm really struggling with, with this, this aspect of freelancing. So I don't know if it's one of those things where when you're just more aware of it, you pick up on stuff that happens yeah, in the maybe. world. Like, maybe it's January, people trying to turn over a yeah, new leaf, maybe yeah. doing more of the stuff that they like and less of the stuff they don't like. So I very much find it hard to say no. Um, I mean, let, let's have a think about some of the reasons why it's hard to say no. And yeah. I'm sure that a lot of you will identify with, with the ones that we And we all have it about. too. Like, I find it easy to say no in a lot of situations, but I think we all have situations where saying no is just not fun. So you struggle with it too, though? There must have some, yeah, some situations where I, I just, I, I try, I find it hard. Yeah. Which is weird. The utility companies mostly. Becky's much better. My wife is much better at saying no to utility <laughs> companies. Uh, or businesses that are salespeople than I am. And I'm normally pretty good at that stuff. But yeah. You just signed up to like seven electricity companies. No, it's just like I let them, I let, I let, I let them make me put up with a load of crap, basically. Okay. So the, so they'll promise a service and they don't quite deliver or it's late and I'll be like oh okay well fair enough we'll just part of that she's like no that's what we're not what we're paying for whereas in business not a problem <laughs> I'll quite happily say no to anyone so yeah it's tricky but but I think it's hard I think um when I do training sessions actually we do uh, training sessions on or coaching sessions on assertiveness actually the big one that people uh, come up with is they feel guilty for saying no um, I don't think that's specific to women, but I think you see it a lot more in women. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to please, you're supposed to be helpful. It's like a nurturing element of the relationship. You're supposed to be kind, but even for, for men as well, you know, you're supposed to be a can-do person. Yeah, you got to suck it up. Yeah, show you can cope. And yeah. so it's very hard, I think, for people. They feel guilty saying no because they feel like they ought to be able to say yes. Yeah, and I think maybe sometimes it's that they, they want to be able to say yes. I know for me... 
one of the reasons that I've struggled to say no is because I want to say yes. It's not that it's not that I want to say no. I I want to be able to say yes, but because of the fact that there is not an infinite amount of time in the universe and I have other priorities, I often have to say no. And that's quite hard. But it's it's harder when it's not even something that I want to say no to. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think people have a different idea of what being nice and helpful means and what being mean means. Yeah, oh yeah. That's a massive thing for me. It's like, oh, you know, if I can help the client, I should. Yeah. Like, that's a massive thing for me. Like, oh, um, you know, the reason, like, like, this is one of the things that we talked about is that for, for me, in my head, the reason that clients liked working with me was because I was so accommodating and, and went above and beyond what I needed to do and gave them great service. And I do think that is true to an extent, but that was having a big impact on me because then I was like basically going, yes, of course I can help with this thing. Even if it's not something that is even my particular area of expertise, yes, of course I can help. Yeah, of course I can help. And just kind of almost offering myself up before they even asked for it. Yeah, that's a big one. I think there's an eagerness to please and uh, and give good service. And again, it's like, what does being helpful mean? And yeah, and we so we want to give that service. We want to uh, keep the relationships in a strong place. Therefore, we almost feel obliged to say yes, or we want to say yes, just to, to look good in front of other people. And I think, you know, especially if you're... Well, I think it applies to new and old freelancers, but if you're a new freelancer and you've got, you know, maybe one or two clients then you want to make sure those clients don't go anywhere. So you're going to be much more eager to please and you're going to be much more likely to want to say yes to requests because of the fear of what happens if you say no. And this, if yeah. they might, are they going to go somewhere else? And there's a tendency to offer offer the world to clients as well. They pay for a certain level of service and sometimes that eagerness to, to please means you go above and beyond and deliver more than what people are essentially paying for. And a little bit of added value, don't get me wrong, is a very, very good thing to offer. We all love that. But some, as you say, especially the first few clients, you wanted to over-deliver almost to the point of, well, almost in detriment to yourself. And actually that's where it ends up applying to people who are more seasoned freelancers because if you've always been setting that bar so high and always been going above and beyond, then it's gonna be very hard then to step back. It's gonna seem like you're reducing your offering. Yes. If you've if you've always done more than you're actually getting paid for, as an example, if you then want to just go back to the reasonable thing of getting paid you know, doing the thing that you're getting paid for that's going to seem like you're, you're taking it away your service yeah. so you're then in the position where it's really hard to say okay well i've been doing x and y for this number of years how can i suddenly say no yeah after i've been saying yes for so many years so that's one thing maybe we can chat about as well yeah how absolutely to, how to do it you know from a from a standing start but how to do it when you've got when you've been saying yes for so long to the same people how do you suddenly change it yeah, and I think if you were previously employed, I mean, I was just thinking about this, like when you're a child, you can't really say no. I mean, you do frequently, but your parents are in charge. When you're in, when you're employed, um, you know, there's a lot of hiding behind company policy. So people in departments will say no to each other, but they'll blame the management or they'll blame the department policy or they'll blame SLAs. You know, oh, we can't or SLAs five days. I can't do it any quicker. Oh, well, I'd love to, but it's company policy and so on and so forth. So there's lots of hiding places. When you're self-employed, it's just you. So you can't hide um, behind a policy. You can't hide behind management or a brand that isn't yours. It's your name above the door. So it makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, you're the decision maker. And so it's very clear that those decisions have come down from you 
you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and let's be honest, saying saying no just feels crap, doesn't it? It's not nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think one of the things that I'm learning is that actually there are ways to say no and there are ways to say no. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. Sure. Um, I think it does apply beyond the world of clients as well. I think that, that as a freelancer, you're under a lot of pressure to say yes to lots of opportunities in quotation marks i mean we talked about the advice avalanche in episode 15 um well i think we'll have to do one on the opportunity overload i think we might do yeah (laughs) (laughs) where where you know as a freelancer you are presented with lots of different ways to grow your business it's not like one size fits all thing of here's how you do businessing there's so many different ways you can do it and so then you're kind of a bit overwhelmed and there is pressure i think from Again, well-meaning friends, family, other freelancers, from business coaches. There's all kinds of pressures of, oh, well, you need to do this to grow your business. You need to do that to grow your business. Oh, are you not attending that networking event? I think you really ought to attend that networking event. And so it's hard to say no to other stuff in your life as well as the pressures from clients. It's hard to say no, I'm not going to come to this event because actually that's not a priority for me right now. Definitely. It's quite tricky. So let's let's have a look at it then. Um, but... Maybe we can have a think about some of the penalties because you mentioned um, when we were doing coaching before about not saying no and we were talking about the cost really of saying no and how that actually is not helpful to the client when you say yes when really you want to say no. So do you want to sort of explain a bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I think a couple of things from that. So the first one is that it's exactly that kind of cost that you mentioned. Um, I can't remember. It, I, I did come across this just before Christmas somewhere, um, a, a quote from somebody that said whenever you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And that really resonated with me and I think was what started my mind going down this path of perhaps I need to sort of, you know, scale back what I'm committing to and what I'm saying yes to. Because I did think, you know, I'm, like I mentioned in the intro, I've you know got my own business, I run freelance folk, um, which is very much a kind of side project. But I also have a business with my partner that we've set up um, within the last year or so where we do apps and software stuff. So I'm part-time on that as well. So I do have a lot of a lot of things vying for my time and attention and I wanna make sure that I give them all the time and attention that they deserve. And I've got my own personal goals, like I'm, I'm learning to surf and so I wanna spend a lot of time practicing that and being able to go surfing. So for me, I think recognizing that if I'm saying yes to everything, that means I have to say no to something else, even if I'm not actively saying no to it. So using surfing as an example, if I'm saying yes to lots of different client requests and things, that's gonna basically mean that I don't have the time to go and drive two and a half hours to get to the, to the coast to be able to surf. So I'm basically saying no to surfing, which is something I'm really passionate about. It's really good for my health and my well-being, And so, Phrasing it in that way, I think, made it feel like much easier for me to say no or not say yes because there are there are ways that if not saying, you know, you can you can stop yourself from saying yes without having to say no sometimes. Yes, absolutely. I'm a massive, I you know, I'm a massive person for going, but basically putting that pressure on myself. So yeah. so like you talked about, you know, enabling clients, and I that's something I definitely was was kind of doing and. I'm starting to become much more aware of where like if they were struggling with something even if it wasn't something that was particularly to do with Squarespace or anything I'd be like oh okay well let me help you with that as well let me help you with that but then I was having to read around the subject loads to be able to help them with it so that was costing me loads time yeah and I wasn't even the best person to be dealing with it but actually what it was doing was taking away their their kind of ability to 
problem solve for themselves and be kind of able to depend on themselves which is crazy because literally like one of the main kind of reasons I set up my business was to kind of help and I hate the word empower it's a bit overused but you know to to give people that feeling of confidence that they can manage their own websites like that's my whole thing that's why I don't generally offer retainer work because I'm like no I do the website stuff and I train you and I hand it over to you so then you take control of doing the website yourself and that's really important to me and yet I was taking away that ability in other areas of their lives by or, or even within Squarespace things by kind of just doing it for them because I felt bad yeah. or wanted to help and actually you know it's made me realize that a lot of the pressure that I was feeling to say yes wasn't coming from external sources it was coming from myself and so I was actually a missing out on things b doing a disservice to my clients but see it was wasn't even because they were asking for it like I was I was kind of creating a situation where I could say yes even when no one was asking me to so I wouldn't have even had to say no in that situation no, so I think might, that's like the yeah. easy I guess that's the kind of the low-hanging fruit if you find it really hard to say no try and work out where you're not even having to say no because you're creating that that yeah. rod for your own back for want of a better term a good a good question you can ask yourself as well is uh, if if you didn't say yes to that request or if you didn't help that person what would they do and quite often we personalise it and make ourselves really important. So, oh, if I don't help them, they'll be stuck. Or if I don't help them, or I don't say yes, I'm leaving them in a fix. Or I don't say yes, I'll feel bad. Well, hang on a minute. What would they do if you weren't there? Heaven forbid you get hit by a bus tomorrow or you get plucked off the earth by aliens. What would they do? And I'm going to guess is the answers are either they find out how to do it themselves or they just ask somebody else. Yeah. So there's no great consequences to it. And I think this is the thing. <coughs> but as Katie was saying, I think we can we can create help, learned helplessness in our in our clients. So if it's not appropriate for you to help, but you they're a bit stuck and they ask you or they ask you to take on more when uh, really they haven't done the planning or they haven't resourced something properly by making that problem going away sometimes we can be papering over the cracks and we're not encouraging someone to deal with the resourcing issue or the budgeting issue or the time issue that they've got um we could and again it comes back to this thing of what is a mean or helpful person if you're especially if you do any sort of consulting sometimes you can be a really good consultant not by saying yes and, and, and fixing the problem sometimes a good consultant can gain more trust and respect by saying actually no I, I don't think you've got this right here there's a few things I need to bring to your attention and highlight to them where there are gaps rather than trying to plug those gaps help them see the gaps that exist and, and you say empower them to, to plug them themselves yeah definitely so we can we can create a rough throw back because and like you say once you say Katie once you start saying yes to stuff it's quite hard to scale it back and go actually no I don't want to do this anymore and and trying to walk it back yeah and that's where it gets yeah. quite difficult and that's you know and that's the situation that I found myself in and it is it's, it has been quite tricky to have those conversations uh, with clients but what I found is that actually the the they have been very understanding of when I've explained the situation I've been I've taken the approach to just be very open with them and saying to them look. I've basically been over committing my time or not over committing but you know I've I've been offering myself up to help you and it's been from a really place of a really good intentions however this is the impact that it's having on both of us and it's not sustainable yeah and you know and this is the situation and actually their reactions have been oh it's a shame that I won't 
get that help from you because I really appreciate it but I totally understand yeah and the fact you were open and honest and say look I've been doing this but I don't want to overcommit, or I just want to be really honest about what's happening here yeah exactly what what can we do yeah and yeah. one of my clients like like after I'd had this conversation with one of my clients she sent me some flowers to say I'm so sorry that actually I've ended up burgeoning you so much with this with this work I kind of hadn't realized that the impact it was having so I think that's the other thing it's it's really scary sometimes to try and have those conversations but actually, most people you're dealing with are humans too. And they probably don't know that you're not supposed to be in inverted commas or that, you know, that it isn't part of your core offering. They probably don't know the impact it's having on you if it is taking up your time. And, and a lot of people are inexperienced of buying these kind of services yeah, as well. Yeah. If that, you know, if, if it's all they've known, then they're not, until you tell them any different, they're not going to know any different. And I, I found, yeah, most people have been actually quite... It, defi it definitely strengthens the relationship, I think, when you're open and honest as well. So we can make the relationship stronger than had that sort of tension point never even existed, if it's handled well. I think the other thing is, well, is so you, you can create dependency. We talked about transactional analysis. So if you haven't heard of this, this is Eric Byrne. Many decades ago, he came up with these three ego states that we all have. So parent, adult, and child. Now, it's quite an in-depth topic. I won't talk about it too much here. But he said there's, we, there's three ego states that we use. He talked about the parent ego state. So there's two types of parent. There's a controlling parent and a nurturing parent. Now, typically, people don't want to be the controlling parents. That's the person that lays down the law and tells the client, no, I only do this. I have to do this. Here are my terms and conditions. And uh, it's quite authoritative and parental. But there's also a nurturing parent, which is the, here, let me do it for you. Oh, here, I can help you. Oh, oh here, I'll make that problem or make that pain go away. The problem, is, one of the problems that there is of using a parent state is that it creates a childlike response. So people tend to respond from a child ego state. And of course, if you're using a nurturing parent, what you'll get is um, a free child using his terminology, which means the person will likely to respond by saying, oh, here, can you help me? Or, or could you just, or can you just do this? Or I've got this problem, will you make it go away from me? And we start to have this parent-child interaction where we create that kind of dependency. It's the same if you're a controlling parent, you'll get an adapted child response, you'll lay down the law and they'll try and rebel. So if, whether you, you are someone who loves to lay down the law or whether someone who likes to be quite nurturing, either way, you're going to get a child-like response from the person where they're looking to you uh, or battling against you. So Eric Byrne suggests let's go from an adult to adult state. So where we, we talk about... Uh, like consulting or contracting really here's what i can offer let's establish what you need where do we meet in the middle where are we are far apart on these two matters and it's very um objective it's non-emotionally charged it's an adult to adult conversation where both people get to say what they want but both people uh, get to be heard as well even if you can't agree and that's ideally what we're going for so that's that's one of the ways in which we can pr uh, prevent ourselves from creating dependency on our clients I don't know if that made sense. Yeah, yeah that was, I found that quite helpful, I think, because I, I very much identified with the nurturing parent role yeah. myself. And I feel like a lot of freelancers probably will do that because I think most of the time, you know, we're not, most of us aren't in this to make megabucks, millions. We're doing it because A, probably we want a better work-life balance, but also we want to help people. I think, you know, that is a really strong motivator for a lot of freelancers that I know they want to help people and they you know they've seen it done badly, badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they want to do it better and that's really understandable and I think it's really common to then kind of overcompensate and try so hard not to be remotely like the way it's been done badly by just doing it so well and that that kind of taking the pain away 
is why people pay money for stuff. And actually, we're not even saying that you can't take the pain away. You absolutely can, but just make sure that you're doing it in a way that works for you and the client. Yeah, it's got to work for both parties, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, I mean, I have one retainer client. It's the client that I used to actually work for. I used to be employed by them. Um, And the reason I keep them on as a retainer client is because they always ask me for really interesting, different... So it's challenging. I normally hate retainer work because I can't be bothered like updating a paragraph here and you know adding an image there and doing that. Like it, like it's not creative and it's not inspiring for me. But this client always gives me like really interesting challenges and stuff. But a part of that retainer agreement, because I used to work for them and I used to do so many different roles at the company, it is a bit broader than my normal work. And actually, for me. I don't mind doing that and I don't mind for them I probably take the pain away and much more so than I would with the rest of my clients and I will kind of uh, you know kind of just do stuff that I wouldn't normally do because it's interesting and it's different and it keeps me fresh and it kind of challenges me to, to kind of think outside the box quite a lot of the time and stuff so in that situation actually I feel like the 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 payoff that I get is is worth doing a little bit extra every so often and it tends to even out with that client so sometimes I'll kind of be in a position where I'm doing a lot of stuff for them but then other times I'll be quite quiet and so for that particular client it's a bit of a different yeah situation but what where I'm identifying is that actually is where I'm kind of where, where that's applying across the board to lots of other clients and that's what's unsustainable for me yeah, definitely. And I think this is the problem. Once we start to, to go the extra mile, perhaps where we don't want to, we sort we tend to help people. I think the thing is, I tend to ask is, well, who do you help? Generally, people help less. So what message does that send? You need helping. So people then start to defer to you as the expert or become to rely on you because some, subtly we've sent this message, oh, you need help or this needs fixing or you need my expertise. Now, of course, we want our clients to come to value our expertise and rely on it and depend on it, but we can become victims of our own competence very easily by doing making ourselves so indispensable that we're the only ones we can help. I think the other one as well, I, I think it does stroke your ego. I mean, I have a friend that says people like firefighters because they're sexy and everybody likes to go in and be the firefighter so when someone comes to you and says oh we've got a problem and could you help us it's last minute or it, i know it's extra work this desire to go in uh, you be know, the savior and be the savior yeah. it's, it strokes oh, your ego yeah. it feels great you're the only help me Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> star wars reference uh, we've got that in there so but yeah and it does it really does stroke your ego and again you you, you become a victim of your own ego or a victim of your own confidence very easily so, so i was just gonna ask michelle if if you have been doing this for a client for you know months years even how are some ways that you can start to have that conversation where you're saying i have been doing this for you and now i'm gonna stop um one of the ways i've done it if i've um, been doing training courses for people and the the material that they give me or the 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 brief sort of starts to creep a little bit uh, i'll just have a conversation with someone and i'll just say look uh, recently i've noted you know i know that part of what the work i do requires a little bit of extra sometimes and that's absolutely fine it's a pleasure to do it i've noticed recently that some of the things that i've been given are requiring a little bit above and beyond which is eating into more into more more time so either that's taking away opportunities to other things or it's a little bit 
more than we agreed. It was a bit more than I'd really expected. Um, and again, this is the adult to adult thing. So you can make your statement, explain the situation and say, is there a way that we could reduce this extra work? Or is there, or, or in future, could I have more warning? Or could this be reflected in the rates that are being paid? If you don't want to change your rates, is there a way that this could be handed to me in a much better state so i think there's just a bit of a bit of honesty but it i mentioned the again you can google transaction analysis but i, I the reason why i mentioned the parent and child states is it's very tempting to do that thing where you you're not happy with something but you put up with it put up with put up with it and either you moan about the person and feel really down like you've been walked all over or you come out and be really aggressive and all of a sudden like well who do they think they are and why are they taking the mick out of me and i can't believe they're treating me this way but you've never really said anything. So I just think having that conversation where we say, look, this is what I'm experiencing. This is where I feel it's at odds with the expectations. But then you find out from the other person, you know, from the, so how do, does this seem reasonable to you? Yeah. What can we do about it? And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that Michelle and I are big fans of having these type of conversations over the phone or face-to-face yeah. rather than by email or yeah. text but, or anything. But also having the relationship early doors. And the reason why we say face-to-face, there's, cli- there's a client, a lady who I work with, She's we get on really well. I've never met her face-to-face. But every time we speak, I do ask after her. When I email, I ask after a weekend. I know the name of her child. Um, I know that she's taking driving lessons. Um, And so just those little bits of interaction, even if you are communicating at a distance, really getting to know your client as a person and a professional, it just helps create that bond. So when you do have the relationship, you can talk about how it's impacting you because they tend to ask after you too and they tend to care about whether or not you're being impacted as well so it's adult to adult but also human to human but it's also benefits for both so the relationship is quite clear that i provide services to you you pay me for these services i keep your clients happy you get more clients that work comes back to me so it's it's all tied in together we're all supporting each other and so on so forth you know um or even if it's a direct client it's it's the same thing you know it's good to have that relationship so that adult to adult conversation i think is absolutely crucial and i think as well like if if you're if you're if you're having to have a conversation with a client where you're you're going to be effectively saying no, even if you're not saying the word no, um, if there's a way that you can explain like like you just kind of mentioned that the benefit to them like why you know it might because because they might feel like oh okay this stuff's being taken away from me I'm being punished or this is going to make my life hard, so any ways you can anticipate to help to to soften up that or to actually explain why it's going to be better for them if you don't do this stuff. Yeah, is really really helpful as well. So you know, yeah. for example, like using using Squarespace training as an example. You know, if I'm saying to a client, actually, like I'm gonna, you know, you know, if I so so one way I could approach it is to say, okay, I've been doing this work where I've been supporting the site and doing some changes for you. Let me teach you how to do it, and then you'll be able to do it as and when you want to. You won't have to be reliant on my availability. So if you've got something that needs doing quickly, you can actually just do it yourself. And if I teach you, you'll feel really confident about how to do it. So you won't be scared about it like you are a little bit now. Let me teach you how to do it and then you can do it yourself. So actually identifying the benefit, because one of the things that that, that you know that clients do, I know, struggle with, with websites is if they've had a website created by a third party and they need to make a change, they're then beholden to that third party to make the change for them. it's going to cost them money as well. Money, but it's time and, and money, money I find is less of a barrier than the time. I yeah. find that most people are willing to find the money to make it happen, but it's the time that is the challenge. Okay. For, for the people that I work with anyway. Um, and so it's, it's that 
we kind of needs updating now because I've got a big opportunity. But and that's where in the past I would have said, yes, of course, let me do it now for you. Whereas now what I'm doing is saying, okay, great. Well, I'm working on, I'm doing kind of you know website bits and pieces on Monday next week. I can do it then. Or I can teach you how to do it yourself now. I can do a quick video, teach you once, and then it's then you'll know how to do it. And then the next time you get the opportunity, you're good to go. Exactly. Yeah, I think doing that is is really useful if you can say yes and 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 teach someone to do it for themselves as well. But even if it doesn't feel good to say no, sometimes you say that the benefit. If you're saying to someone, look, recently I've committed to this, this, and this. You've asked me to do something else. Um, I just want to be open and honest. I feel that if I were to say yes, I am over committing and I want to be fair to you and give it the time it deserves. I'm not in a position to do that and I just want to be upfront because I don't want that service to suffer. And people respect your honesty. Uh, or even if you've done it in the past, say, look, in the past I've done it, I've probably overcommitted. Um, I know I've managed to just to get out over the line. I don't feel that's sustainable. Uh, let's talk about how we can work together going forward or in future I'm not be able to do it and then you can focus on what you can do. And you've mentioned, Michelle, that actually using because in a sentence can help. Yeah, it, it's a really weird thing, actually. There is there's, there's research that shows that just adding the word because to a sentence makes people more ready to accept the answer. So if you said, I, don't, I can't do this because people are more likely to accept it rather than you saying, I just can't do it. What was really interesting about that research was it doesn't really matter what the because it is. And the, the original experiment had a lady trying to push in the queue at a photocopier at a library. And she said, oh, do you mind if I cut in front? And she got knocked back mostly. The minute she started saying because, she more people let her cut the line. So can I, can I cut in front of you because I'm in a hurry? Now, of course, there's no justifiable reason. We're all in a hurry. But just saying I'm in a hurry did it. Now, Scott Mills, when he was on Radio 1, did this. He sent his producer out into the street uh, where all the people are. He called it Stupid Street. I can't remember. But, <laughs> but he sent his, one of his team out into the street and asked her to cut in line at the corner shop. And he said, try this. So can I cut in line? No, you can't. Stay there. So then she said, can I cut in line? Because I'm really in a hurry. Most people let her in. Can I get in a hurry? Because I really need to buy this thing. Or can I get in a hurry? My nan died. But then she tried, can I um, cut in front of you? I have diarrhea. And she both come up with those <laughs> bizarre reasons why you could cut in line. And generally speaking, people let her cut in front. So when someone has an explanation and they understand the reasons, they're much more likely to accept the response that you're giving them. Okay, that's yeah. So try out different becauses. Yeah, get, always give a reason, and and you um, don't have to go into like your life story. Oh, do not waffle. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's a really tempting thing to be. Like, oh well, actually, because of this and this and this and this and, this and then because of this and like, I'm really sorry. Blah, 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 blah. No, just and say actually, I can't because he's your reason. Yeah, and, and that sure. I guess goes back to that kind of interaction thing you were talking about, Michelle. Of like, if you're going at it as like, okay, I'm really sorry, and I'm really sorry. Please don't hate me. Please don't that's hate me. Child response. Yeah. you're gonna get. A parent going, well, you're naughty and you should have done this and blah, blah, blah. So like you say, yeah, child response gets an adult, a telling off parent, basically. Yeah. So if you go in again with that adult to adults, like, yeah, here's the situation. Yeah. You know, it's it's neither good nor bad. It's it's a neutral situation. We are where we are. This is is what the situation is. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Because. How would you like to proceed? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, giving, giving them the choice is exactly Yeah. Like. And the other one you could do is you can give people different choices. Like you say, Katie, so either I can teach you to do it now and you're, you're good for the future, or you can wait for a week, two weeks for me to do it um, and get to it. And usually when you give people choices, they're much happier as well. So it was, yes, I can do it, but I can't do it for another month. Yeah. Would you like to, would you like to wait? Or, <laughs> then, uh, or, or go elsewhere or whatever your choices are. And actually, if it's if it's something that psychologically you don't, you know, if you feel like, ah, oh, I just really hate saying no, 
a way to ease yourself into it, you mentioned it just then, Michelle, is actually rather than saying no but, say yes and. Yes and. and. It's it's a technique that they use a lot in improvisation uh, rather than saying, oh, no, we can't do this. Okay, yes, yes and da-da-da-da-da. You can give choices. The other one you can do with yes and is when I've done a lot of consulting work and when you consult, whenever a client asks for something, typically you always say yes, but that's normally followed by, yes, certainly I can do that for you and what would you like me to stop? Or yes, I can do this for you. Where does what we, where does this sit in the priorities? Or if I'm taking on this piece of work, which piece will be standing down, or will be putting, or be delaying in order to accommodate it? So you then it's adult to adult, but you're putting it onto the client then to say um, to do the prioritisation work rather than you trying to prioritise and squeeze it in. You're asking them right. There's a finite amount of time. Yeah. So yes and yeah, what yeah, stops? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes and alternatively or something like that you know rather than saying no yes and it will take me five weeks alternatively you can do it now yourself yes or yes yes we can do that yeah you say it's going to go back a couple of months or it'll put things back a week if you do it yes and that will be an extra million pounds please yes so how would you like to pay (laughs) yeah more money for you in that case but of course that only works if you are willing to get paid that is that's yeah i was going to say that actually that that sometimes that will be your your objective will be that actually I, I don't mind doing the work I just want to get paid for it but sometimes it might be no I don't want to do that work and so that's where you have to make sure you're being clear because I think sometimes again in your I think I've, I've seen it before where in people's kind of reluctance to be mean or to say no yeah they actually don't actually say no clearly what they <laughs> actually mean and if it's no it's got to be no yeah so you have to say you know if you're saying yes and and everything else that's that's fine as long as you're still making it clear that you're not willing to do that work if that is the case and if you use the because and give a reason it's got to be a reason so you can't say oh because i haven't got time and then oh oh wait you do have time yeah no the answer is no you've got to tell them because it's not a good fit for me or because it's not you know this isn't a priority etc etc i think the other one you can do is so if all else fails and none of those if saying yes and or i can't do this because or giving the the client or the person choices or explain the benefits if none of those work or that's just a bit too subtle for some people there is a way you can do it more assertively now again we could do in a whole nother podcast on assertiveness i do whole day workshops on this but um, a really good way to do it is a few things so three three things you need if you're really going to assertively say no to a client The first thing is you have to acknowledge their point of view. And the reason why is that tells the client that you've understood their position and you're generally empathetic. So the first thing is acknowledge and empathize the other person's position. So I appreciate this is um, an inconvenience or I appreciate this may take you more time or I understand this isn't what you're used to. So really try and understand your client and a very short, simple statement. Again, don't waffle, but something briefly that just acknowledges their position. The second thing you need to do is clearly state your position also. And I mentioned before, this is about being adult to adult. So what, and again, Katie, we talked about what assertiveness means, one for another day, but it means that you get to make your point of view, uh, uh, put it across and to have it heard. But that means you also have to afford the other person the same right to make their point of view and have it heard. So it's it's okay for me to want what I want, but I also recognise it's okay for you to want you want. And sometimes when we're under stress, freelancers take it very personally. And you see passive aggressive posts on Facebook and people saying, I'm going to give my client what for. I can't believe they're taking the mick out of me. And we know that they haven't had a conversation. (laughs) It's like, no, no, it's not personal. Just respect both positions. So really empathise what they want, but also state very clearly, concisely and confidently what you want. 
And then you can, uh, the third thing you need to do is offer a way forward or ask, ask them the way forward or propose some way forward, whether that's you suggesting what you want, which is a good way to go, or asking them how, how you should proceed. So for example, um, I, was, I took on a project with a client. They offered less than my usual day rate. Um, the work wasn't as good. The situation was a bit trickier. It probably took a little bit more work, but I took it on a bit like you with your retainer client because it was an interesting project. I'd n- not a client I'd normally work with a new and exciting project in a medium where I could really offer value and expertise and I wanted to be part of that project because I could help shape it. So I was willing to work in slightly less favourable circumstances. But as the project progressed, the work was way more than what was needed. There was, um, the fees changed and were less. So the way that they structured it, it worked out that I got less money. That was not discussed up front. The extra training and work I had to do in order to get ready for those clients was not uh, discussed up front. And just these little bits kept getting added in. But of course, like we said, I'd said, we'd agreed up front that that yes, there would be extra work and no, the pay wasn't the best rate on the market. So I'd said yes. And because each time, this tiny little thing, which in isolation was insignificant, I'd gone, okay, I can live with that. I like the project. Then it's another one you're like, okay, I can live with that, I like the project. But then it got to a point, it's like, this is getting stupid. So um, I raised that with them and the way that I did it, and when I told them this, they weren't very happy. And they said, look, we want to keep the small, the team quite small. We don't want to bring anyone else in. So I think there was a kind of hidden threat of, we might bring someone else in. <laughs> but at this point, I didn't care. <laughs> um, and so basically what I said to them is I used those three things. I said, look, I completely understand that you don't want to make the team too big. And I understand that the problem here is that your clients aren't giving you enough notice about these training dates. However, my position is that I my, my diary fills up three months in advance and I can't turn down the certainty of work for the possibility that something might come in last minute. It doesn't work for me and it affects my income and the ability to manage my time. Um, I could, and then I just said, look, I'm happy to work with you going forward in dates when I can accommodate, but appreciate on, on the situations where you can't accommodate, I can't accommodate you, you may wish to do um, make other arrangements. I completely understand your position. And it was fine. And I didn't have to say no. I said, look, I will work with you when it works for us both. Yeah. But I'm not working, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So, so that's what you do. You can do it. You can say, look, I understand that, you know, you can say to the client again, you know, I, I really understand, I really appreciate this is going to um, cause a delay for you. However, my position is I simply don't have time. Why don't we sit down and talk about the time, a reasonable time scale, which would suit us both. So those three elements need to be there. Yeah. And that's how you would do it. And it, here's, here's the tip, right? If they still push back, and they're still not happy, and you've put those three things in, and they're still going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, just re- just repeat yourself, okay? Look, I still understand this is uh, not the timescale as you wanted. However, I am in this position where I'm not able to accommodate it until next month. How would you like to proceed? And just go back and go back and go back. And actually, I think in that situation as well, that's a really good tip to just kind of, because I think most people would maybe do that, but then give up after the first round. No, no. It's, so actually yeah. just keeping that kind of Assertiveness is like sticking yeah. to it, it's persistent. And I think one thing that I, I, one thing I employ a lot when I'm ringing up customer service people to, if, you know, if I'm trying to complain about something, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. A, a really powerful question that I find is, what would you do if you were in my situation? And actually that tends to get a lot of results. And I can see how a sort of a variation on that might work as well to say like, okay, you know, I completely understand your position and I've demonstrated that. And if they're not seeming to understand your position, then, that, you know, something like, okay, but what would you do if you were me? 
Yeah, that's you know, a really good one, actually. Could actually, then, I mean, you know, they might say, oh, we just suck it up. And you're like, okay, well, you have no empathy, fine. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, but at least you've tried something. If you feel like you're not getting anywhere, I found that's, that's quite it. an effective one to use sometimes. I hadn't thought about that one, but I really like that one because one of the reasons where we do cause tension in a relationship is where both parties are advocating for their own position with no concern for the other. So asking someone to do that is fine. They, um, so, yeah, I think that could be a good way of getting people to put themselves in, in, your, in your shoes. Yeah. You could try it. Yeah, exactly. So let's wrap up the saying no episode by just thinking, okay, what would be your one tip that you would give people out of everything we've spoken about? What's the one thing that people can do to make a difference in terms of saying no? I think the big one is, as, as I say, empathise with their position, state your position assertively and go for an adult to adult way forward and I would say practice that and see how you go. I think sometimes you have to say it out loud and sometimes you've got to fake that confidence until you make it but um, definitely take the leap and do it. I think it's that first instance of saying no that people struggle with. And actually one of the things that you could do if you feel like this is a big struggle for you is something I often recommend if you're actually trying to ask for if you're trying to ask for money or if you're trying to ask for something to do a bit of a practice a few practice runs. So if you want to ask a client for quite a lot of money then ring up a friend and ask them for something where you know they're probably going to say yes. Get get into the habit of asking for people stuff and then saying yes you can apply that as well so try small instances of saying no to get yourself used to it before you have to do the big one so actually you get you kind of building up your your muscles almost you're building up your tolerance to saying no and the world not falling apart so then you can actually ready yourself for it um and i think my i think my one tip is it's less of a practical tip and more of a mindset tip interestingly is that ask yourself is this pressure coming from an external source or an internal source because that was what made a big difference to me it you know i was putting the pressure on myself and actually it's much easier then because you're not even having to kind of let anybody down because you realize actually i'm the one that's making myself say yes to all this stuff no one else is and if you can realize that then that actually frees up a lot of mental space for yeah. you as well we make ourselves the center of the universe we tend to yeah. think that it's all about us and actually the client's really only interested in in them in what's about them yeah fab well we've covered quite a few different tips again if you've got any ways of saying no that we've not covered that you'd like to share yeah. then you'd like to ask us about some of the things that we've mentioned or expand on them then feel free to get in touch with us on social media so i'm at the wheel exists that's me katie and I'm on Twitter at Dive Deep DVP, Dive Deep Dep. And we will see you next time for another episode of 99 Problems, But a Boss Ain't One. <laughs>